Welcome to Fans of the Forge, Season 5, Episode 34, Wrap-Up for the Invitational Tournament Finale. Yeah. It was the finale. The finale of the Invitational Tournament, not the season. Before we get into this episode, I have something I wanted to cover real quick. uh, Some news. Some news. Well, we were taken to task by one individual on our YouTube page that we did not do a good job covering the last episode of Forge and Fire because we missed some important information in our notes. What was that information? That information was the fact that Rick Ravjohn, who was in the finale, uh, the final with uh, Dave, didn't forge anything. They didn't show him forging anything during his time at his home shop. Oh. And so... Apparently on Facebook, a bunch of people are like, he should be disqualified. He didn't forge anything. He ground his blade to shape. And people are like, this is garbage. And other times, on the at least once before on the show during round one, somebody did not forge at all. They only ground their blade during round one and got booted because of it. So all these people are like, he should not have been able to even present his blade. He didn't forge anything. Oh. And I, and obviously we didn't think it was a big deal, like because we watched the episode, we know that they're showing five minutes of footage from a five day video shoot, and yeah. that's a lot of footage, right? You right. can't, you can only put so much in the show. So after somebody taking us to task and saying that we were not working hard enough and taking notes for the hobby that we do on our own time after we work day jobs. I thought I should get right down to business with Mr. Rick Ravjohn himself oh. and ask him what, what happened. Oh. So I messaged him and I asked him specifically, did you do forging when you were at your home forge? And his response to me, verbatim, I'm going to read it here, so bear with me. I made my sword from a leaf spring which needed to be heated in my forge and hammered flat. Forging, they didn't show it. I also then returned to the forge to heat treat the blade once it was shaped via stock removal. Also, there were no stipulations as to how much of the blade needed to be hand forged or not in the home forge. In every episode, competitors use a combination of both forging and stock removal. Consider how much time is spent at the belt grinders. No single tool or method can do it all. I also use my forge to anneal and normalize my blade. In addition, all of the basket guard or hilt was forged, metal heated, hammered, bent, and then welded, etc. It was all forged. So there was a fair amount of forge work. Ideally, less said to these coach critics, the better. The key is, can a blade be made without some form of stock removal? How would one sharpen the blade? Likewise, can a blade be made without a forge or other heat source? Point being, both are needed and both are heavily used to make the rapier. And I said... Great. That's exactly what I wanted to know, right. and I think that clears up quite a bit for everybody that bitched about it. So thank you, Rick, for clarifying that All right. for us. Well said. And uh, maybe we'll chat with you soon. Um, you know, he is located in Connecticut, and he said he'd be interested in doing an interview. All so right. We'll have to set something up. Now, that being said, we are going to move on and get into the actual episode. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Exactly. So, Invitational Tournament finale. They brought back the winners from the other four 
episodes, Kirk, who won the Farrier one, he w- had 50 years of experience. That was Teresa's pick to win it. Nicholas, he was the Armorer champion, and he had 10 years experience. That was Teresa's underdog pick and Sean's main pick to win. Derek, the blacksmith winner with 15 years full-time experience. I chose him as my underdog. And then we had Dave from the Modern Metal Workers episode with 36 years of experience. That was my pick to win and Sean's underdog to win. So everybody's represented here. Yep. It was really tough to choose. Way tougher than a normal Fortune Fire episode, right? Because you've never seen these guys before. Right. But these guys, we've all know, we've watched them over the last few weeks win their right. episodes. So we know they're capable of doing good work. That being said, they are all vying for $50,000. Big purse. Big purse, big prize. And we get right into round one. These smiths had to make the longest blade in round one history of the show. They were making Wakazashi Samurai small swords using 1095, 15, and 20 for Damascus blade, and they were provided with a brass hibaki. The blades needed to be 16 to 20 inches in length, and overall could not be more than 28 inches. We'll get right down to business. Kirk... He at first decided to make two separate billets with the different materials rather than going directly into Damascus and then combine the billets after they've been drawn out to near the size they need to be. He was the first one to quench, and he had a warp in doing that. So he actually used an interesting method where he took the anvil and he clamped his his billet down to the anvil and let the cool anvil suck the heat out and allow the heat transferring through the metal to straighten the blade as it adjusted which grains cooled faster and and whatnot so essentially by doing this it allowed the blade to straighten itself once it was clamped down to the anvil so that was pretty cool it was a good technique nicholas he planned to use all of the material provided even though there was way more than you would need for your blade yeah and the judges were not so happy about that because that was going to take a long time to make a Damascus billet and then draw all that out just to cut a chunk of it off. But that's what he did. He drew a long billet, cut it to size. Yeah, no problem. I mean, you just bring it over to, you know, Big Blue and just pull that thing right out, right? Right, except Big Blue broke. What? While Nicholas was trying to use it for setting his billet. He went to go use it. You hear clank, bang, like, boom. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> going on. And he's like, fuck. And he just yeah. like walks away. Big Blue's broken. And so right. all the other guys are like, oh, damn it. Like, that sucks. And uh, he was uh, he was like, oh, I'm going to take out my frustration by hammering this billet down. Now, the billet is as big as this mason jar, right? And he's <laughs> yeah. banging at it with his hammer and... I mean, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. Well, I mean, it was. Did it not work? I think it still worked. Like it was. It was. He working was setting some welds, but I don't know how well they're. You know, I mean, I would brought would have brought it over to the press instead of. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a thick billet to be. You know, he needed to get aggression out. Yeah, which is fine. Practical. I don't. I don't see Probably it that not. much. But no. But what are you going to do anyway? He did that for a while. 
Big Blue ended up being fixed with 90 minutes left in the round. Yeah. So it must not have been anything catastrophically wrong with it if they were able to figure out what was wrong and fix it in that amount of time. Um, and then Nick also had a blade warp when he quenched it, but he straightened his in the vice. Move on to Derek. He was very concerned about this because he usually spends a whole day on making a sword billet and decides he doesn't, you know, this is going to be difficult because he's got three hours versus a whole day. Yeah. He decides to use a lot of material and cut off what is needed, similar to what Nicholas is doing. Um, after quenching, he had a warp, which is happens prone to happen with Damascus. When you mix steels like that, things cool down funky and it warps. So he took his and tried to bend it over his knee to straighten it out. And the freaking thing broke in half on his knee with very little force. Yeah. Like, that was shocking. And it was kind of a thick blade at that point, too. Yeah, you really wouldn't think the... There's no way he was generating that much force by pushing it on his knee. Like, there had to have been just a really bad delamination or something going on there that... There was obviously some sort of crack in the material that just expanded and broke right away. So everyone, including him, flipped out. Like when they saw that thing break, yeah. I mean, he had 30 minutes left and he yeah. just broke his blade in half. Like he was pissed. He didn't know what to do. The judges lost their shit. I mean, I think Will almost fell over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, at first, he grabbed his extra section of billet that he had cut off, thinking, I could do this. I could forge it down in 30 minutes. But he stuck it in the forge, and he's like, no, this isn't going to happen. I just don't have the time. Yeah, Ben thought it was possible, but I, I was pretty skeptical myself that he was going to have enough time to draw that thing out and do enough to it to be ready. Now, we've seen in the past people pull it out in 30 minutes, but it's not much a, shorter. It's a yeah. much shorter blade not a Damascus uh, wakazashi that has to be so long. I mean, it was there was just no way he was going to be able to get it to the right thing. He realized that. So he took his billets and he welded them back together. Yeah. Not ideal, to say the least, but he did what he, he could. In that sort of situation, high-pressure situation, he had to get something for the judges to see. I suppose he could have... I, I don't know, it's toss-up. He could have probably left that billet into forge while he was welding maybe try to multitask a little bit see what happens but uh, you know then at that point i think he just wanted to focus on that one thing probably which makes sense too well so, yeah because once you get it welded he still had to grind it down right he still had work to do yeah. so i can't fault him for anything that he did there right so then moving on to dave he took his time in setting the weld in his billets and he purposely did that so that he would be confident that he couldn't, wouldn't have any issues when he used Big Blue to draw it out. And uh, he was not shy about using the hero example weapon that they had. That's true. Which, this is not, generally, that's not an option, right? They don't give you a weapon right there that you can just hold yours up against right. and make measurements on. And there's nothing to say that you couldn't do that. So he walked over, like a lot of times held his up to it to see that the shape was right, the lengths were matching well, up. Well, yeah, and you know, they were, normally for round one, they don't have a, a weapon there for you to even look at. Right. It's like yeah. you have to make have this, this length, this size, there you go. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's usually a blade of your choice or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So different circumstances, still kind of odd in a way, you know, <laughs> that they'll just go up, grab it, do whatever you want. Well, they can't well, touch he didn't, it. he didn't touch it. He left it on the, okay. the stand and yeah. just held his up to it and then measured it. I don't think there's anything against that, you know. They didn't stop him. They didn't stop him. So, you know, he did what he had to do. And uh, he had a minor wobble in his blade after quenching, but nothing too drastic. So we move on to judging for round one. For Kirk, Dave Baker liked the curvature of the blade and his Damascus pattern, but he needed to address the plunge grind that he currently had on there. It would have to be ground on quite a bit for him to be able to get the hibaki on properly. For Nicholas... He had good welds, small warp, but he had a long tang left to work with, so he had very uh, good amount of material there to straighten it out with, uh, with after the fact. Derek, it was not as curved as the traditional blade, and the judges were not having that weld, which we expected. Yeah. I mean, you knew that that was already the weak point, and then introducing a weld, the weld is almost always going to be the weak point on something. When you're com when you're combining two pieces of metal, the weld is going to be the weak point between those two pieces of metal. I have some reservations about that statement. Ben, I think Ben or someone said that. I've heard that welds can be stronger than the metal itself. Maybe it's the joint that can be weak. Maybe okay. it's the metal on the outside of the weld. You know, it's... I, I understand what I think you're saying. I it's up for debate. I think if you're welding a piece of square tube to like a piece of metal, that's going to be a much stronger weld when you're going around and getting something like that. But versus a essentially rectangular blade shape, you know, that's going to get tapered down. It's it's very first of all, you're working with a thin blade, and the heat of that welding is going to go through that material and affect the grains around it. Um. And yeah, I mean, it was still going to be heat treated, so it's something, it's something to say. I don't know. I don't know enough about heat treat. Yeah, I don't know enough about what they do to heat treat, and then versus what they could do before it gets to that round where that's handled by the show. Mm -hmm. Because you know, you see guys thermal cycle and do maybe some annealing. I don't know enough to say anything about that really. So, yeah, the weld could change some of the structure of the metal, of the blade. It's possible. I don't know enough to say anything about it, really. So, well, I, I'm, either way, the judge I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, there's there could be a weak point now right. along that weld or on the other side of it. Or, you know, did you get enough penetration on the weld? You know, there's some, some factors there that could affect that blade during testing. Yep. And no one else had a broken blade. That's true. And that's the big thing. And then with Dave, his was too curved, which, I mean, he was running up and which holding is, it up. Yeah, the, that's what I was weapon. saying. You know, he was really on that thing, and he was holding it and really studying it. They had to come up with something. Yeah, I guess. But to say it, it's too curved, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think it was that much more curved, but they said it was more like a saber than a wakazashi. So whatever. I guess it, maybe it's possible, you know, he held it up and then went and did some more work to it and maybe put some more curve in it. Yeah, but 
We it's just on. funny that that was yeah. something they brought up. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. After, he was the only one really going up to it. Yeah. At least, you know, they only showed oh, him. Oh, they only showed that. We don't no, know. They only showed him doing that. And when it came down to the final choice for the judges, Derek ended up getting the boot. They were just not confident that the blade would pass any testing with that weld in the center of it. But after all that, Derek still recommended the experience of being on Forge and Fire, especially if you are a masochist. Yeah. So. Well said. Well said, Derek. And we're sorry to see you go, but now we move on to round two. Dilly dilly. What? <laughs> all right. So round two, they um, they had to attach a handle, which must include a, a habaki, a suba, and a suka handle, which is a wrapped handle. So Kirk starts out by grinding out the warp in his blade, and he puts a horseshoe design in the suba guard. That was pretty cool. Yeah. The judges were very impressed. And he then had significant issues trying to start a wrapping on his handle. So he decides to burn the end to get to a point so that he could put that through a hole, which the whole time the judges are like, abandon the whole thing, like just start someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he got it to the end, but he like, I guess didn't really even finish tying the knot on the end when he was, he wrapped it all the way. So it was tied, but not well. And he had low faith he in had that. He had like two handle. minutes left when he finally got that thing like <laughs> yeah. wrapped. I was surprised that he got it all the way to yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, and then Nicholas, we have one comment. <laughs> he seemed to be the most stressed out out of everybody um, trying to get everything done. And yet, he had little airtime in comparison, so he must have been doing it. Okay. show him. He looked like a madman out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but getting shit done. Yeah. Um, and then Dave starts with fitting the hawaki, and he had to wrap his handle, but didn't have enough material. So then we go on to testing with the Wing Chung Bamboo Dummy Smash. Kirk is more concerned about the wrap on the handle, and he ended up having a tiny edge roll. His wrap was really loose, but overall it held on and the knife passed. Um, Nicholas, his edge held up well and his wrap was tight. Dave was also concerned about the handle. The blade was awesome. Bamboo didn't phase it. The handle was huge, but otherwise okay. Yep. And then we move on to the sharpness test, which was three pork loin chop. Kirk easily cut through the loins. It will cut, but, you know, the handle is still a concern. Um, Nicholas, Doug loves the feel and balance of the blade. The handle is comfortable and it will cut. And then Dave, the knots in the handle material gave you some hot spots, but it will cut. So both Kirk, Kirk and Dave had handle issues. Mm-hmm. And to quote our notes here, Kirk gets boot. <laughs> <laughs> the unfinished nature of his handle and the fact that his blade was the only one to sustain damage um, were the, the reasons that he got boot. Yes, he got boot. Didn't Nick have like rivets like sticking out of his handle? That's in that's in the final. Is that the final? Okay. Foreshadowing. (gasps) Dun dun dun. Spoilers. So round three, our Smiths have to make an Adachi. So in the age of the samurais, (laughs) before you go, yes. Multiple times, Teresa and I were like, "Is it?" An Odachi, or is it Tamagotchi? A, a Tamagotchi. I didn't think about that one. <laughs> well, we 
put on closed captioning yes. earlier on because of the Suba Tsuka thing. We're like, right. okay, let's make sure we got the spelling on this. And we just left it on. And the closed captioning had Nodachi. And then the, and the next one, the, the N was missing. We're like, whoa, wait, what is this called? Mm, yeah, so we were confused. But it is. it was the Nodachi. Okay. Not a Tamagotchi. No. Unfortunately not. Okay. So, Age of the Samurai, two-handed field sword for the Japanese infantry. Can be as long as a five-foot blade, and it was also used against horses as well as riders. It was difficult to forge and heat treat, we're so passed. many of them were passed down as heirlooms or used as offerings at temples and shrines. Can be seen in the hit mobile strategy game, Dominations. Dominations! Play now and <laughs> and have fun. Uh, so it had to be between 41 inches and 43 inches of the blade. Must include a super guard and handle from 22, 20 to 22 inches long. So Giant. It's... It's, it's a massive. 40 inches blade with an extra 20 inches. It is as big as me. It's, it's as tall as you. It's as big as this table. <laughs> yeah, easily yeah. as big as the table. As long as my car. Yeah. Yeah. So, looking at Dave here, our Sherman, Connecticut guy. Yep. So, he ordered 5160 steel, closest to the parameters needed for the sword. And while working on it and forging, he developed the crack. Mm-hmm. Day two, we don't know what happened. Nope. Something. Day three, all the hard work is done, so he's setting the radius using a bending jig. They kind of skipped over the whole cracked after. Like, like they developed a yeah, crack, I guess. and then well, that's, day three was fixed. So that's what day two was, was all I the guess. work. Just more, <laughs> yeah. more of the same. Apparently, they don't want to show him doing work. So then he moved on to heat treating and quenching, and blade comes out hard with no major issues. Mm-hmm. Moving on to day five, working on the handle. The wrap he did on the wakazashi hurt the judge's dainty hands, so he made this handle to accommodate their soft hands. Yes. His words. Sticking it to him. <laughs> Moving He's on to Nick. Being accommodating. Yeah. Their little soft, <laughs> moisturized hands. <laughs> Our California man, Nicholas, day one, working on Damascus billet. But as 5160 has a backup if the Damascus doesn't forge well properly. Yep. Day two, grinding and checking welds on his billet. He found a delamination in his Damascus. So he has to use the 5160. And yep. he was very uh, distraught over that, That's as true. is his character. <laughs> um, day Bold five. Statement. Hey, listen. <laughs> That's how he was during round two, round one. But in his other episode, was he like that? I, I don't, I don't know. remember. Maybe when fifty thousand is on the line, he's really okay. Uh, that is a lot of really money wild. Right there. So day five, fitting the suba to the sword and getting the handle made. During the epoxy process, he cracks the handle material. Yep. What do you use? Poplar or something? I think he said, or is that Dave? Uh, I forget. Yeah, I'm not sure. And it, no one cares. So he fills it with <laughs> epoxy and wraps the handle. <laughs> Moving on to testing, we have the kill test, pig cut. Oh yeah. Nicholas, a very sharp blade with good balance. Main issues with protruding pins on the handle. There you go. Here we go. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Confirmed. There it is. <laughs> is it foreshadowing or just misremembering when the thing happened? I take it easy. All right, all right. Unless I own up to it earlier. <laughs> it will kill. Um, 
don't know why those were sticking out like that. Why would he just leave them like that? Yeah, it was a little strange. Kind of Maybe he ran out of time. Come on. They didn't you can't show take them to the grinder, grind, grind, and then wrap the handle. Apparently not. Something happened. I don't know why. Yeah, something was weird that those are sticking out like that. Dave, this was not as sharp. He didn't cut that pig in half like <laughs> Nicholas did. Um, the weight is a little forward heavy. We'll kill. Yep. Strength test. Pull and pot, smash and chop. So, Nicholas, his was amazing to swing. Had a significant roll on a blade and issues with the protruding pin. Dave, no major damage. Handle feels good. Moving on to sharpness test. Large water bottle chop. Before they did this test, I was like, I was, because we're, I was pulling for Dave. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh no. After the first test, I'm like, oh shoot. He's, he's done. And then the strength test, he like came back and it's like, oh, it's neck and neck. It's going to be down to the wire to see who wins this. And it's all going to go. On the sharpness test. Yeah, because Dave, you know, they made a comment about the, the weight, the balance. Okay. A little worried there. But they're going through those pots. Like, it was like some clean cuts through the pots, which was kind of amazing, I thought. Yeah, that was neat. And I wonder what kind of material those pots were. Like poop. Poop pots? Yeah. Boys. <laughs> Duty pots. <laughs> Chamber pots. Moving on to sharpness, says large water bottle chop. Nicholas cuts through all three. Blade is remarkably light with great balance. Dave cuts through all three easily. Super comfortable handle. Now, Nicholas, on the last one, his kind of didn't almost look like it, it almost didn't cut all the way through or maybe just... It, it like deflected up a little bit, yeah. yeah. Dave's went down and really, it was definitely uh, going went all further through. in yeah. with the cut, yeah. So... Dave wins. Yeah. All right, Connecticut. That's right. Represent. Rep- represent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the big issues being with the pins on Nicholas's handle. That was really the main issue he had. And he had a little bit of uh, damage during bit of, the, yeah, the second roll there. test there. So congratulations, Dave. And, hey, that's $50,000. Fifty grand. That's awesome. Nuts. So, hey, if anybody can get in contact with Dave and let you know, let him know we want to talk to him. We'd love yeah. to interview him to talk about his experience. We we charge ten grand for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> ten grand each. But anyway, that was the episode. But we do have one other thing to cover. Sean, hit us with those points. All right. So point tally, Teresa thirty seven. Chris twenty seven. I got 26. Oh. So, Sean. Look out. Closing the gap. Chris was so excited to get a point, and then Sean got the underdog. Yeah, he's uh, like, the underdog right. pick. I was like, oh, man. All right. Well, it's not so, over yet. No, uh, some more episodes coming. <laughs> yeah, at least two so, more from what I've seen. So, And, well, I've seen previous for Curse of Oak Island. Did they say what day that's on? No. Is that Sunday? I'm not sure. Saturday? I don't know. If it was the same day of the weekend, I'd say, well, they can't have, the, you know, obviously when that starts, that'll be over, but maybe not. So mm. we'll see. Yes. Got excited for that. <laughs> Regardless. So that was the episode, the Invitational Tournament. Finale. Finale. That's all. That's it. Yeah. Dave won. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Remember to subscribe and follow on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and 
We appreciate everybody uh, that listens. Leaves to nice the show. comments. Yeah, leaves nice comments. Listens Isn't to the critical. show. Constructive criticism. Um, hey, that, no, we do know that there are some people that are downloading these episodes uh, via like iOS uh, as as podcasts. If you could re- like go on there and rate us, like give us a good review, that'd be awesome. It would actually do some good stuff for us. Like if we get high reviews on there, and then people search for Forge and Fire related things, and they see five-star rated podcast that talks about it helps grow us as a podcast. Can we see like who it was that left like a review? They can put a name. Oh. Maybe we could shout them out if they left a Yeah, we'll nice, shout you out if nice you leave message. a review. Is that illegal? Can we can we do that? I don't think it's don't, illegal. No, why not? If we see a good review. There's no then, money or a, there's nothing. <laughs> that's true. Here. We're not paying it for it. It's just so, saying yes. hi. So please keep watching. Leave us some some good comments, some good karma, mojo. And we'll keep doing what we do here. Keep on trucking. We'll see you next week.